Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? It is a Sunday afternoon and I am joined by my good friend Alan. Yo. And my not so good friend Matt. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Hi guys. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. We've been away for about 10 days so there's a hell of a lot of good Scottish rugby news for us to cover and we'll be getting straight into that. Um, but thanks again. Another great week of uh, reviews and chat on our uh, Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, and a great review on iTunes five stars by Not Warren Gatland, who says, "In a world where Britain apparently consists of England, Wales, Ireland, and Stuart Hogg, it's rare to see someone give Scottish rugby the attention it deserves." Brilliant analysis. Look forward to it each week. I'm not quite sure it's brilliant analysis, but it is certainly analysis, isn't it? Great Britain doesn't consist of Ireland, so. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, as I say, absolutely huge amounts to get through, um, including, you know, Greg getting called up to the Lions, but we'll get into that. And then we will cover our three Thistle issues, which is number one, how good is Scotland's World Cup draw? Number two, what did we make of the Scotland squad announcement? And number three, we will look back and ask, what did we make? of the 1872 Cup result. Um, but shall we start with um, with Grieg and the Lions? Obviously, it was uh, last weekend after the dreadful news about the wife of um, Tom Youngs and um, Ben Youngs' subsequent decision to pull out of the tour, Greg Laidlaw, was called up. Matt, what did you make of it? Yeah, obviously, first and foremost, extremely sad, the, the circumstances in which it's happened. Um, and, you know, you totally understand um, Ben's decision and, and respect it massively. Um, 
I think that Grieg was next in line, probably. I think there's been a bit of chat that Gareth Davies was, was maybe um, should have been a replacement or maybe the likes of Danny Kerr. But I think Grieg's got a lot of ex- um, international experience. Um, he's got that leadership, good goal kicker. Um, and I think before his injury, he was he was playing really well for Scotland. So I think it's well-deserved. Um, I'm not sure he'll be pushing for a test spot, but you never know with injuries and stuff. And maybe he's worthy of a, a bench place. So it'd be interesting to see his progress on the tour. Was Laylaw starting in the Challenge Cup game? No, they started with Willie Hines, which is quite odd. I'm not quite sure why. And then Laidlaw came on and actually seemed to play quite well and would have kicked some goals. So, a bit of a funny one. Maybe that was sort of a bit of a, a fuck you before you go to Claremont. You're not getting to, <laughs> to pick up the trophy. But Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Laidlaw. Um, and, but, you know, I can't, can't complain with a third... Scottish Scottish player in the plane, and I don't think he's he's not the sort of player that isn't he's going to sort of represent the badge really well. He's going to give his all, and he's going to be a great midweek captain. <laughs> That's probably what he's going to end up being, isn't it? But no, he came on in the Challenge Cup final on Friday night. He dropped two absolutely great, like perfect distance box kicks. But I suppose that that is what Greg does, like through and through. Um, so. Uh, but obviously Gloucester didn't get the win, so no silverware for Grieg or Matt Scott back at Murrayfield, unfortunately. Um, big signings this week. Um, New Zealander and former Chief um, Masaga on his way to the Glasgow Warriors next year. Yeah, it's a really interesting signing. Um, I think when you we've tweeted about it, but the depth that Glasgow now have in their back line with the addition of um, him, Hugh Jones and Adam Hastings is, is frankly terrifying. Um I'm a bit divided on this one. I think that if Masang had sort of been at the height of his powers, you know, a few years ago and Glasgow had signed him, I'd be a lot more excited. But I think post-playing for the Chiefs, he's sort of gone to Japan, which I don't think is ever that good for your rugby development. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm not massively overwhelmed by it. But if he can recapture the form of the past, then I think he'll definitely be you know, a talented player. It's just whether... It, he's going to be the guy you want going to the sort of Connick sports ground on like a really terrible Friday night. I'm, I'm unconvinced, but hey, we'll see what happens. Was it? I sort of, the moment we saw the signing, I sort of remembered back to sort of 2011 when he was absolutely sort of crushing it for the Chiefs and then sort of realised that I hadn't seen him for about three, yeah. three years and wasn't really sure what, what happened. I think he's actually back at the Chiefs this year, but in the four-year period, he's been uh, playing for Honda Heat which doesn't fill me with loads of confidence. Obviously, I'm sure he was making an absolute wedge. Um, but yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of reclaim some of the form that he had in the past. Obviously, he's got a good relationship with Dave Rennie, who obviously thinks that he's sort of good enough to um, bring over and sort of one cat of the All Blacks definitely isn't anything to sniff at. Um, but I, I, I agree. I'm not sure what he's getting a little bit older. He's very much been a player who's always been sort of hot and cold and I'm sort of worried that rather than being sort of a Nakawara he could end up being remember Fatou was it Fatou I can can never pronounce his name Lomi Fatou I could see him probably ending up more in that bracket possibly yeah Yeah, but how much coin do you reckon the SRU have chucked at him 150 200 I have literally no idea Loads of you'd expect he's taking a wee bit of cash to come over though. I think it'd be more than that. Two two fifty. Two fifty on a thirty year old who might not be No, two fifty is too much. Like Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll be really good value though, and maybe that maybe they're not paying him so much. Well, he will he will play or certainly be available all around. You talked about the depth in that back division though. So you've got Hog Seymour, Masaga, Jones, Hughes, Sarto, Hugh Jones, Dunbar, Horn, Horn Jr., Greg Johnson, Hastings, Russell, Price, Pergos. I mean, it's an amazing sort of set of backs to have, but there's still a chance that a lot of them are going to end up going with a Scotland Six Nations squad. So, I mean, is there still some work to do in that Glasgow squad to make sure they can play all year round? I think they maybe need another fullback. If you look at that squad, there's there's not actually... I mean, Seymour has played fullback occasionally, but I don't think it's his best position. I don't, it never looks fully comfortable there. So maybe another fullback, but I, I doubt they'll sign many more guys in the backs. I think they'll maybe make one more signing in the forwards, but they've had they've done quite a lot of transfers, I suppose, so I don't expect too much more from them. They've got a couple of young guys as well. They've got like, well, Ross McCann. Nah. No? No. They've got that um, Paddy Kelly guy oh, yeah. who's been at Scottish. Um, and I'm not sure. Uh, Ross McCann is contrasted to Edinburgh, I think. So, yeah. Speaking of being contracted to Edinburgh, um, the Robbie Furin saga moves towards its conclusion and it looks like he is going to sign for Edinburgh um, in the coming days. We've talked about this last week. Um, I've got some concerns about it. You know, he's been really dealing with injuries. He's got heart issues and he's clear that he wants to play for Samoa in the 2019 World Cup, which would include him going and gaining that sort of uh, residency by playing on the sevens circuit. And I don't know, can you see Edinburgh signing someone that, and then just sending them off for huge periods of the Pro 12 season to go and play sevens? This is Edinburgh rugby, so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I don't know, you'd, you'd like to think that if they have signed him, there's something in his contract that would mean he can't go and play sevens, but I don't know. I don't know if that, that requires a bit of foresight. I'm not sure that Edinburgh sort of establishment is really well-renowned for that. I don't think SRU have any particular coherent policy on who goes away to play sevens as well. So <laughs> it shouldn't be uh, too much. But again, I mean, I think Robbie Froon falls into the Masago category as well. Is He could be absolutely fucking awesome. Yeah. And he could be absolutely fucking shit. It just sort of completely depends on um, whether he stays injury-free, whether he sort of kind of... Yeah, kind of hits the, hits the ground running pretty quickly. And you're right, if you sort of get a few injuries and you end up sort of playing Dragons away in the rain in January, you can very easily see that going quite yeah. disastrously. Yeah. I suppose the weather's not that good in New Zealand, though. So he's, he's grown up in Canterbury and played that amazing stuff in sort of 10-11 with Sonny Bill. Lots of rain down there. You know, it's, it's almost exactly the same as going down and playing the Scarlets or something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, having Dan Carr at 10 is pretty similar to having Duncan Ware. So, <laughs> they're absolutely fine. They do say that Chris Dean is the next Sonny Bill Williams as well. So, he's going to feel very, very much at home in that centre. Uh, but sticking with Edinburgh, they have um, finalised their um, their coaching staff under Richard Cockrell by appointing um, Edinburgh stalwart Roddy Grant as his, uh, as his deputy, um, joining uh, McRae from the Scotland Sevens. Um, set up as well as who's the final man? What for, for where at Edinburgh? Yeah. Duncan Hodge. Oh, Duncan Hodge. Christ, so he has. Well, we had heard during the week that maybe Hodge was um close to getting the axe as well, but it seems that he's managed to hold on to his job. What do you guys make of that coaching uh, setup? Do you think it's good, or do you think you know maybe just a bit of jobs for the boys and they're being given to Cockrell and he's not really getting his chance to shape his own coaching team? 
So I sort of initially sort of leaned towards the jobs for the boys sort of category. Um, but actually sort of across this week, just the amount of ex-Edinburgh players, sort of Scottish journalists um, who have really come out and just sort of really seen it as sort of a positive move, really sort of heralded like the character of um, of Rory Grant. I'm starting to sort of lean towards it maybe being sort of like a really, a really good move. Um, I am just sort of surprised by how little it appears that Richard Cockrell's influence has had over the sort of backroom staff. He sort of, I'm I'm sure he's had some sort of input into what's sort of going on, but I would be very surprised if this was the backroom staff that he wants he wanted to have in place. And he doesn't seem like the sort of guy that sort of does anything in sort of half measures. So it'll be interesting to see how um, Cockrell sort of gels with these players that are sort of really sort of embedded in their sort of SRU machine. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I find the, the appointments of McRae and Roddy Grant potentially exciting because they're they're young coaches and I think that particularly um, McRae's done a really good job at the seven squad. But then I look and I see that Hodge has been retained and he's been around for donkeys, it seems. He's been involved in the Scotland setup and the Edinburgh setup. He's been moved around. And I just, I can't quite see, it's hard to see when he's an assistant coach, but when he was head coach at Edinburgh, didn't really do anything. And I just think it's sort of, that is the jobs for the boys, ones that they've invested a lot of time in him and they clearly don't want to let go. Um, and I think it's also tough for Hodge to go from being head coach to now Cockrell's assistant. So I'm, I'm a bit miffed by that one. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see how it works because Cockrell's obviously going to take control of that pack and we think he's got an awful lot to work with there. So, And if you remember in our interview with Nick Mullins a few weeks back, he was confident that an awful lot of uh, the attacking decisions will be made but will be handed down to that backs coach and that is Duncan Hodge. And you know, Edinburgh haven't exactly been an attacking force with him at head coach. He got moved on when he was the Scotland attack coach. You know, it's... It doesn't fill me with a huge amount of um, of hope of what Edinburgh are going to be putting out there um, for next year. Yeah, it's not something I'd thought about, but just that weird dynamic of being head coach and then having to revert back to assistant coach. And it wasn't like Duncan Hodge sort of was it was coming in sort of temporarily and was always going to move back. It was very much well, you're going to have this and you're going to see if you can prove yourself as head coach. And then just sort of him in terms of how he looks at the squad, being put back into that assistant coach role, having sort of less influence over the squad. It's sort of a pretty hard position to be in. Um, I think it's the right decision, but... Um, yeah, no, but, hey, interesting times. Yeah, and Cal McRae, um, obviously coming from the seven setup, and, I mean, what is it? It's quarter to one on Sunday afternoon. I think at 18 minutes past one, the, uh, the Scotland squad are going into the semis of the... Um, France Sevens after beating Fiji 24-0 this morning in the quarters. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, against the old enemy, uh, uh, sort of 20 past one, so it'd be good to see. But yeah, the Scotland team were absolutely sort of killing it against Fiji. I don't think Fiji had a particularly good game, but sort of George Horn just increasingly looks sort of so comfortable um, at this level and really sort of looks to sort of dictate games. And I think I'm really looking for next year. I reckon he'll be really pushing for that nine spot, especially when Ali Price is um, off of the Scotland squad. And I know Mark Robertson's retiring at the end of the year, but... He is still absolutely class at level, such a sort of deadly um, finisher. And then Farndale, he's sort of gone into the sevens and has really sort of managed to recapture form. And he's an absolute beast. He's like the one guy from the home nations who likes to go and bosh for jeans, which seems absolutely obscene. 
Yeah, definitely. The the one concern I had was when I, I checked in yesterday, and obviously Scotland had a great day yesterday, won three out of three, beat South Africa. Um, and I was watching the highlights, and then I saw from the bench a familiar figure. And I sort of, I did a double take, and I, I, I did confirm to myself that it was indeed Jack Cuthbert. And I hadn't seen this in the news that he'd been called in from playing for Jersey. I just... I don't understand what. Why is he there? There's no development angle. He's also really rubbish. Like, I mean, fair enough. You bring in like I don't know Sean Lamont or something. Like that's you know he's proven. I just I don't understand it. And I think it actually brings up wider questions of maybe discuss it another time. What the point is in the in the sevens? Surely he's taking someone's space in terms of development. I think you're being overly harsh to Jack Cuthbert. <laughs> So Edinburgh and Glasgow were playing last week. Jack Cuthbert wasn't because he plays for Jersey. So he was able to go and travel to the squad and then be in there as the 14th man. To Paris. To Paris. It's not like he was in Hong Kong. <laughs> you get the Eurostar. He made a nice little 30-meter break against Fiji. You've got a real issue with Jack Cuthbert. I don't know what he's done to you. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of questions to ask about Jack Cuthbert. He's really bad. I mean, he's put, he's put, he's playing in the championship for a reason. That reason may be that he only pulls his socks halfway up his um, calves. The only other person that's done that in their career was Freddie Michelak, and Michelak was allowed to do it because he was absolutely sweet. Jack Cuthbert's got absolutely no right to be doing that. Uh, but yeah, we'll be catching up with the uh, keep an eye on the sevens, and I expect we will probably be tweeting out some stuff um, as we look at that this afternoon. Um, other news this week, Christ, this list is long. Residency laws gone from three to five. So this is actually a bit of a public service announcement. If you are a sort of um, curry cup or, you know, regional player in South Africa or New Zealand and you fancy coming over to Scotland to give it a go, do it in the next six months before it goes to three from three to five years. Yeah. If you play in the might of 10, come on over. We love it. It's fine. Why not? But no, so what do you guys, what do you think of this? We've obviously had some decent experience with um, residency um, and some some bad experiences with residency as well. But I think for me personally, I think the five years is right. I think it was when Ollie Kebble, who I'm really excited about coming over for Glasgow and his interview with the BBC was basically like, he was asked if he wanted to play for Scotland. He's like, yeah, but you have to wait three years these days. And it was just like, it's just a complete joke. No, I completely agree, and I, I do I do agree with what's going on. Um, I think the intention is really good, but actually the, the overall outcome might not be so positive. Um, and it was, I read an interesting interview with Dan Leo in the week, the guy who, uh, former Samoan player, who now sort of represents a lot of Pacific Islanders players. And he was saying that his worry is, well, it's just extending the residency, so they're just going to bring in players at an earlier age. So he says that there's already been agents coming to the islands identifying sort of 14, 15 year olds, getting them over into France and academies and schools. And I think that, you know, even if you're a, a mature adult and you're moving across to the other side of the world, it's difficult enough. If you're like 14, 15, and there's been a lot of sort of exploitation in France as well. So no, I think the intention is, is, is definitely good, but there's sort of a few worries that people will just extend it. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Scotland started shipping in people and saying, you're going to stay here for, five years really i don't think it will necessarily fully stop project players no and also but just thank god we got brian when he was so young <laughs> thank god we got brian when he was 22 oh that's just gonna be great when we see him in a scotland jersey big brian um what else we got uh going from big brian to big jim so after the um champions cup win for saracen jesse jim hamilton scotland 60 odd caps for scotland not many wins, but plenty of good times, and he's uh, announced his retirement. But I think it's an amazing thing that 
there is not many Scotland players who are retiring with two European Cups under their belts. And it's amazing that Jim Hamilton is one of them. I know, he's really flourished in later life. Um, I know, I mean, to be honest, he could have been a rogue shout for going on the sort of Tour of Australia if he'd put up, put up his hand. But um, no, good on him. I think he's he's obviously like a great personality and uh, he sort of managed to find sort of a great place to sort of finish his career at Saracen. So there was a lot of chat that he was going to be doing sort of one more season with sort of like London Irish um, or Edinburgh. I remember we were chatting about that, but no, looks looks like he's looking to just hang up his boots and sort of start his media empire, it seems to say. Are we, are we done for news? Well, I think we're done for news. There's a little. There's some gossip that we can uh, we can talk about relating to our, our very own Finn Russell. We chatting to one of our sources through the week and just sort of catching up on what's going on. And the word is that Finn is really, really keen to get a contract in France. Um, he's really looking to get out of Scotland, and I think it's possibly off the back of him getting this getting the concussion two years ago. He sees his he sees his small window of being a professional rugby player. And he wants to make as much money as he can. So he's th- he's looking at if he gets an offer from France, he's he's probably going to take it. There's also sort of a heavily French influence in Falkirk, so he's obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just just really wants to build off the back of that. But as we say, that is just pure little bits of gossip that we've been hearing. So we will keep an eye on that. But it seems that um, Finn is looking for that cash. Um, Right, so um, we've got our three Thistle issues, but before we crack onto that, we'll have a quick word from our sponsors, the good people at Cornerstone Razors. This is the best razor on the market. Please don't take our word for it. We are not people of authority, but why not listen to GQ, who call it the best razor on the market? Um, And if you order using our code at checkout, and that's at cornerstone.co.uk, go through to the checkout and you'll get £10 off your first order by typing in thistle at checkout, which means that you can get a premium engraved um, shaft with your initials on it and six razor blades for just four quid. Try it out. It's a subscription service, so your first box will be four quid. You can have a look at it and uh, see if you like it. It's great stuff. I use it. Um, and Alan's using it as well to shave his legs because he's doing a lot of cycling at the moment. And you cannot believe the aero gains that he is making since he's been using Cornerstone on his quads. Luke, when you weigh 100 kgs, it's all about marginal gains on the bike. That is it. Cornerstone have really taken on the marginal gains for Alan and it is making a massive difference. Right, why don't we go back to... Um, it was uh, in Japan earlier this week... Scotland got one, what I think is one hell of a draw. We avoided um, the big names in part one of New Zealand, England and Australia and picked up Ireland joining the host Japan in our group. And um, I think that's a bloody good effort for us. Can we firstly just chat about the ceremony? <laughs> we had, who, who were the four people picking out of pools? We had President Abbey, yeah. Steve Hansen. And then it was like a, a Hall of Fame Jap- Japanese rugby guy who was like 80. Yeah. And then like... Two like uh, geishas. <laughs> they weren't geishas. <laughs> no, she, she was not a geisha. She was like an Olympic um, medal winning wrestler. Jeez, oh. Dignity at work. Um, yeah, she's an Olympic medal winning wrestler. I thought it was quite good. 
Shinzo Abe. Had no idea what was going on, but <laughs> I just—he's got a little like cheery little face, though. I really like him. I was like, yeah, I like the cut of this guy's jib. Japan's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was great. So Sap, got to stay at work. What what's your getting done? Um, and yeah, so Ireland and Japan. Do we think out of those top four, New Zealand, Australia, England, and Ireland? I th- I feel like. Obviously, Ireland. I think Ireland and Australia are by far the best two for us in terms of who we sort of a more likely to be and b just sort of mentally seem to be able to sort of. We don't have an issue with Australia or Ireland, but and um and I think sort of going into this sort of Ireland will be a much um much better team to play. I think Australia are sort of going through a real big process of sort of basically looking at what's happened and realizing that they're going to go through some sort of like transformation program. Um. And then Japan, which could be a bit of a banana skin. They're obviously going to pin everything on this tournament. I know when they had sort of Eddie Jones last time, they went into some sort of two-month training camp pre um, pre the World Cup. And the Sunwolves don't look that bad, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. When we put this out there, and we were pretty, uh, pretty happy with that draw, we got a lot of flack back and just saying, you know, Japan on home territory... I think I think it's a it's a fair it's a fair point and um, but I just think that point Alan was making there you know we have played both Ireland and Japan in the last nine months and we've beaten them both in the last nine months we are going to play Ireland at least twice more before the Rugby World Cup they're not going to be a um, we're going to be pretty familiar with them um, I think it's it's about as good as we can get and if we can top that group I mean we're looking at South Africa, who are on a massive sort of rebuilding phase at the moment in a possible quarter. And then you're looking at, I mean, it could be sort of like France or Wales um, in in a semi. I mean, are we looking at a Scotland run at the final? I mean, we, you, you said it. I mean, I didn't. But um, yeah, possibly. I mean, there's there's no denying that we have, I mean, we had a good pool draw and we've got the better side of the, of the draw. Um, I suppose if we do finish second, then we'll probably have, we'll definitely have New Zealand, which will be the end of the tournament for us, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I think it's, it's two points in the draw as well. Like Japan, yes, are a banana skin, but we should expect to beat them. And I think they're actually a far worse team without Eddie Jones. And I don't think, I think Jamie Joseph has slightly struggled with that team since he's taken over them. Um, and then... I think it was sort of doing the rounds on Twitter this week that there was a live reaction of Jamie Heaslip to the draw, sort of getting up, punching the air, saying like, you know, and fair enough, they have, you know, avoided the the potentially harder teams um, from the sort of the second lot. But still, I mean, I think that's a good thing for Scotland if Ireland are going into that sort of with a bit of arrogance, um, um, like in the Six Nations. Um, but Scotland are too mouthy, can't back it up. We are a little bit mouthy, to be fair. Uh, no, I think all these things we'll probably chat about going to the final and we'll be knocked out by Japan. We'll move on. It'll be great. I'm going to go to the World Cup. I've just committed to it right now, so you can hold me to my word. It's going to be my birthday, 30th birthday during that month in Japan, Scotland against Japan. It's got to be done. You're going to propose to Heather in Japan? <laughs> That's a great opportunity that to do it. But also speaking of opportunities, if you're if you're out there listening and you want like three up and coming sort of podcasters to be your sort of uh, voices on the ground and cover and cover um, the, the 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 World Cup in Japan for you from a Scottish perspective, I, we will do that for you. We will happily go. And on a slight side note: if you want one hungover podcast member in New Zealand to do some work, 
I'm there. I'm all around there. Don't worry about it. That is true. Alan is available for um, appearances down in New Zealand on the uh, on the uh, on the Lions tour. But um, actually, speaking of speaking of appearances, should we talk about our um, our, our media appearance at um, London Scottish in a couple of weeks with um, Andy Irvin? Uh, do you want to talk us through that, Alan? No, definitely. As uh, we've got. There's a University of St. Andrews alumni versus Stuart's Melville College alumni game in two weeks' time. What are you laughing at? It's alumni, not <laughs> alumni. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's debates on semantics like that that get us reviews calling us posh. That is, tr- that is true. Um, and afterwards, we're very happy. We're going to do a Q&A with Andy Irvin, sort of 45 minutes. Now we're going to talk to him about sort of current Scotland squad, Lions. Sort of- One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Of his past Lions tours as a player and a coach. And um, yeah, I don't know for anyone who's been down to London Scottish Clubhouse, just a really, really great setup. Should be a really good day. So yeah, I can buy tickets online. All money's being um, put into the Stephen Sims Cavaliers Foundation. Yeah, so have a look. Type in um, Stephen Sims Cavaliers online. You'll be able to get there. You'll find their website and you will find the event. Please come and join us. That is um, Saturday 27th of may and you will get to see alan and matt running out um in the, in the big game of the uh, of the season it's gonna be so bad <laughs> i think you're gonna be all right in the back row very dynamic off the base i hate tackling and rucking <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that game's gonna have much of either so i think you'll be all right with a lot of champagne chats around there Great, great stuff. So from one massive squad, including Alan and Matt, why don't we look at the other big squad announcement of the week, which was um, Gregor Townsend's first Scotland squad for the tour um, this summer. Um, Quite a lot of continuity um, with a couple of um, interesting um, places. Matt, why don't you start with with the props and work us through, talk us through any sort of um, contentious or interesting areas. Yeah, sure. Um, As you say, I think that Townsend's come in and he's decided not to rock the boat so he's he's still picking the experienced players um, and then a few younger guys to come through on top of that. Uh, it's really good to see William now, WP now back. Um, hopefully that is a sign that he is back to, to sort of full fitness because I know there's still question marks over whether his neck's right um, but hopefully he can get playing because I could see him if he's fit you know really destroying that Australian scrum which is you know it's been a bit of a weak point for them for a while. Um, I think having Darcy Ray in there is interesting. Um uncapped and he's not actually played that many games for Glasgow but when he's sort of played in the international windows he's he's done really well um so you know we, we look pretty st- well stocked in terms of him and, and Xander Fagerson um for the young guys so it looks looks quite solid the props 
Yeah, I think it's great. With Will and Nell back there and, and Xander Ferguson having, he's got nine caps now and you think about the games that he's played in there, obviously through the Six Nations, then obviously the uh, the big autumn test last uh, last year against the RGs and Australia where he's really equipped himself. Like He is coming on leaps and bounds and sure, WP Nell is going to start at, at a tight head, but to be able to bring on a young guy like Xander Ferguson who will be able to scrummage well and offer a bit more sort of carrying as well, that those injuries which have hampered us, it now looks that you've got you've got guys coming through which can really sort of come on and make an impact. Um, George Turner being taken as the third hooker. It seems to be that used to be um, Rambo Stuart McAnally's spot for the last couple of squad announcements. But George Turner is a young lad, uh, young Stu Mel lad, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a few years below uh, us as Jamal, and I, I played with him actually at, at the FPs when he was just coming out of school. He was 18, and he was often the best player on the pitch, playing against you know the proper men's rugby. He's just really aggressive, really skillful player who I think um, struggled for a while with the set piece side of things, but has sort of really nailed his arrows now. Um, I just think he's sort of a quite exciting, um, dynamic, if unproven player that clearly. Townsend and maybe the SRU have seen something in so it'll be interesting to see if I doubt he'll get much game time but it'll be interesting to see how he goes and particularly next season hopefully he can sort of get a few more games for for Edinburgh yeah no it's interesting because he hasn't had actually that much club rugby so they've obviously seen something in him that they think well we're going to put him ahead of McAnally and Pat MacArthur I guess um so starting starting front row probably looking at Nell Brown Dell yeah, no, I think that's pretty dynamic. Yeah, I kind of think they'll probably use this as a way to sort of bring Dell into the squad. I think I'm I'm normally pretty impressed with Dell. I think sort of around the park, he's he's really, really good. It's just whether yeah whether he can sort of cut it at scrum time. He is looking too lean. It's too it's too much. Um, and then second rule, Gray Brothers Swinson off the bench. Yeah, but interestingly, the fourth, second row being taken, Big Ben Toulis being rewarded for a string of really, really good um, performances for Edinburgh, which also saw him make the um, the Pro 12 Dream Team. So I've not necessarily been a particularly big fan of him, but you know he seems to be making some uh, some pretty good inroads at the SRU, and he's kept keeping out former Scotland captain Grant Gilchrist, so he must be doing something right. No, absolutely. I know the fact that obviously probably would have been a straight shootout between him and Gilchrist to see who gets that sort of fourth spot. Um, although I would have quite liked to maybe see Cummings go. He's he's um, he's had a few good games for Glasgow, especially sort of the eighteen seventy two game where he sort of did that beautiful little offload to Johnny Gray. Cummings, he's too old from the twenties now. Was he last year's captain? Yeah, and um, but no, I think it will probably be it probably be them starting with sort of BBT there in case any sort of injuries come in. Uh, and then back row, what do you think Bradbury going to get a chance? I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the guy. Despite I saw him I saw him out in Edinburgh the other night, and he's uh, absolutely chewing through the beers. He seems to be <laughs> seems to be seems to be absolutely loving it. But fair fair play to him. So he's enjoying his uh, his injury recuperation. Um, I can't see him getting. I'd like to see him maybe get some time in the in the lesser games. But if you look at your starting starting back row for that match against Australia, Barkley obviously retained his captain. You can't say that Hamish Watson's not going to start that game. And then pro- I mean. Probably Ryan Wilson, maybe Josh Strauss if he's um, back to fitness after his kidney issues. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, don't know if he'll be fit, but I think across the back row, you know, you've got John Hardy as well. You've got Bradbury. Um, it, it looks really, really strong, actually. I think everyone's sort of pushing for a, a test place. 
But then you have Rob Harley, who I just I just don't understand that selection. Um, I suppose there's there's maybe an argument that he's like brings a bit more dog to the fight and he'll maybe hit a bit more rucks. But I think that's what actually the Greys do a really good job of that from the second row. Um, and I just think at the Scotland level, he's just uh, at international level, he's just not got that extra bit of quality. And he, it's not as if he's an absolute beast physically. So yeah, I just don't understand that. I think he's had 19 caps now. And I think he's actually had enough of a chance to not prove himself for people to realise his ability. Um, I'm not sure who else you'd you'd put in there though. Yeah, no, that is that is fair. I, I don't think there's anyone. Well, Mitch Eady, we chatted yeah, about, Eady, would have been a good one to come in. He's sort of been getting plaudits at Bristol. He's moving to Northampton now. He's not really had his chance at international level. And I agree. I think Rob Harley is a player that is a great, great, not great, great, but he's a, he's a good club player who will sort of be with Glasgow and he'll sort of really sort of stand out in your sort of Pro 12 games, but it's never really going to cut it at international level. And I'd probably put Ryan Wilson in there as well. I think, I I don't think Ryan Wilson has really dominated an international, or really stood out in an international game apart from Georgia. Yeah. I also think with, with Wilson that they... When he plays at eight, he just doesn't have the carrying ability of like an international number eight should have. And he's quite skillful. He's got quite good hands. But when he carries, he just seems to get hit back. He never sort of makes big breaks. Um, I think he does an okay job at seven. But yeah, I kind of agree. I think actually when you're looking at that back row, if everyone's fit, you definitely have Strauss ahead of him at eight. And then I think I'd probably actually have Hardy in the team instead of him. Um, moving moving on to the backs, shall yeah. we? Um a scrum half, I don't think there's much controversy. Price, Pergos, and then Hidalgo Klein, if, if things go awry. Maybe Hidalgo Klein's a bit lucky to, to get in, but actually, watching the 1872 Cup, I think Hidalgo Klein has the best service, the quickest pass. It's not always the most accurate, but it, he absolutely whips it away from the base, um, something that we sort of accuse Greg Laidlaw of having quite bad service. Um, and then moving on to the halfbacks, Russell and Horn, which is quite interesting. Do you think there's enough depth there? No, I mean, but I think we famously don't have enough depth at um, at standoff. I think the pudding has um, obviously got his uh, his comeuppance for a very poor season at Edinburgh, and comeuppance is probably a bit unfair. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen, he's he's come up against. He's not playing well, so he's lost his place in the Scotland squad. To so Pete Horn, who I think is just very workmanlike in that sort of standoff position, and I think that's probably led to probably one of the most uh, controversial inclusions in the whole squad and Ruri Jackson being named in one of the five spots of the back three. I think it probably just gives that additional option to play at 10 if, uh, if, uh, if needs be. Um, in the centers, the little monster, Alan's favorite player, Nick Gregg called up uncapped. What'd you make of that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely deserved. I think, um, yeah, Dunbar, Scott, Taylor, and you would probably take in Hugh Jones if he was fit. But with, with him out, I think he's the absolutely obvious choice to sort of take along. And I, he's not a player, I think, that's going to get sort of caught out at international level. I think he's uh, he'll definitely do sort of a really good job. But I think Dunbar-Taylor set a partnership. I think that's got to be your number one, number one choice. I'm really excited to see Taylor just get like a run of three games to Scotland and see if he can really 
try and sort of own that outside centre position. Because I know, I think all three of us in the pod have got um, a pretty big fans of him. But he's just never had that solid run for Scotland. Yeah, completely. And with Hugh Jones coming in as well, who's sort of the, the incumbent in that 13 jersey at the moment, I think it would be great. Obviously, his uh, his injuries not isn't great, and we hope the recovery's coming on well, but it does give us that chance to have Duncan Taylor for three games. And he's just... I'm such a big fan of his. He's, he's just such a great player that offers so much. I, I wonder if... I'm just thinking... I don't think Dunbar had a great Six Nations in, in the end. Actually, there's quite a lot of doubts over him, um, both defensively and, and in attack. I don't think he quite offered enough. So... I wonder if maybe Matt Scott is pushing for a place at 12, or even if you maybe think about when Hugh Jones is back fit, you could play Duncan Taylor at 12 and Jones at 13. I don't think Taylor's played much rugby there, but he's a good distributor. He's really solid in defence. You'd actually think he seems to fit 12 more than sort of traditional 13. So maybe maybe there's some sort of options that they could try out there. Yeah, but I think it'll be interesting to see how much sort of Glasgow loyalty um, Townsend takes up to the Scotland job as well. Obviously, Dunbar has been an absolute stalwart for him at Glasgow for the last few seasons. Um, and any questions that were raised about his defence, quite rightly, actually in the big games against England and Saracens. Um, but, you know, Gregor seems to like him an awful lot. How good a time does Hugh Jones look like he's having? Injured in Cape Town. He's just like having a lot of nice sunset meals and just sort of getting a lot of free stash constantly. Yeah, I know. He must be really excited about moving to moving, <laughs> moving, leaving Cape Town and coming to Glasgow. Christ, no. He does look like he's having a, a hell of a time. And I've mentioned on this before, Ollie Kebo, this lad that's joining, if you've got Instagram or go and look him up, he is absolutely enormous. He's one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life. It's going to be so, so good to see him playing uh, for Glasgow next year. Uh, the back three, let's have a touch on that as we finalise the uh, the Scotland squad. Damien Hoyland deserved, I think, call-up um, following some great form for Edinburgh. Um, Lee Jones, great form for Glasgow Warriors. Sean Maitland, who's got an ankle injury at the moment, so we're not quite sure whether he's going to be going. There's lots of talk in the press. Mark McCall from Saracen saying that he's out for the season and might need surgery. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one to see who uh, might get called up. Tim Visser from Harlequins, great player. And he had a great um, Six Nations. The big one being, as we mentioned, Rui Jackson getting a recall um, from Harlequins. Where I mean, he's not been getting a huge amount of time at Harlequins. No, not at all. Um, sort of since he moved to Wasps, which and it was like the luckiest stroke of his life. I don't know how he got a, a gig there, but then to Harlequins, where he's sort of been a, a bit player, a bit part player. And I've heard a rumor that he's going to the Dragons next year. So I mean. I'm sorry, the Dragons are literally terrible. Like, if you if that's the only place you can get a contract, then it's slim pickings. Um, and with with um, Maitland out, I mean, it looks as if Jackson will probably be starting at fullback, which is a bit worrying. I can't think of anyone else. And then you maybe bring in Kinghorn, but quite risky to risk King to put Kinghorn in for his debut against someone like Australia. Yeah, no, definitely. I think they must be waiting to see about Waitland's, in- Waitland's? Ma- <laughs> Maitland's injury before they m- call up any additional yeah. players. Although I would, qu- I would quite like to see Blair Kinghorn just stay at the under twenties because I'd like to see Scotland under twenties actually like yeah. do pretty well. They probably had their best year ever last year, and they've got still got quite a lot of those players there. Um, but yeah, there's not really anyone else that seems that kind of feels like someone that can step up and play fullback. I'm keen to see Damien Hoyland. I think he'll start with probably him and Visser on the wings. Do you not think Hoyland will start? Uh, maybe. I think Lee Jones deserves to start. 
I think Lee Jones has been better than Hoyland this season consistently. Hoyland's actually not been that good until he scored a double against the 80 and the 1872 cup. Well, a single, sorry. He's been good, but not that good. He was good last season. But I think Lee Jones this season has really come into his own. On form, I would definitely pick him. Mm, I just I just don't agree. I, I think that Lee Jones completely falls into that raw parley bracket of being a good club player, but just doesn't have the sort of either size or speed or skills to really step up at sort of international level, whereas I think Damien Hoyland has the potential to actually be an international quality winger. Well, I mean, Lee Jones' greatest test this year of high-quality games has been against Saracens, and he gets the ball from a cross-field kick, and with no right to score, he scores a really good try. Is that not a sign that he's got the quality? I think he's actually really underrated. I think Hoyland does have the potential as well, but I think on form this, this season, you... You'd go with Jones. I think you're wrong. I think it's maybe because Lee Jones is a similar player to you, is what I'm thinking. But um, no, <laughs> no, I think he is. Um, but I, I, I just, I, I completely agree. I think Lee Jones has had this like great resurgence of come from the sevens, and now he's been playing with playing with Glasgow. And I think he is a really, I think he is a really, really good finisher. I just, I don't see what he's bringing to. At international level, whereas where I see when I see Damien Hoyland, I think he can sort of create something out of nothing. I think he's got a really good sort of he powers out of the tackle really really well. And I don't know. It'd be, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see which way which way they go. I think with Visser sort of being more of a natural left wing, and same with sort of Lee Jones, uh, I've I've got a sense that they might try and put Damien Hoyland in the right wing with Visser in the left wing, and then um, either have sort of Rui Jackson or Maitland if he's fit at fullback. Um, but no, we'll see. Shall we yeah. rock onto a quiz? It's yeah, breaking breaking with tradition. I have uh, I have done a quiz. I think uh, just fi- final point on that Scotland squad. First game is on Saturday, tenth of June against Italy in Singapore. So looking forward to that one. Um, okay, quiz. You guys ready? So. Scotland squads announced this week. Gregor Townsend first Scotland squad. So this quiz is going to look at Vern Cotter's first Scotland squad in 2014. <laughs> so they played four games in the summer on their summer tour. Who were the games against? <laughs> this is actually great being on this side of the mic. You got that? Feeling good about that? Come on, man. Are you sure? Yeah. You got that? All right. Okay. So, sec- second question. There were three hookers taken on the tour. The initial squad that was announced for this tour. Who were those three hookers? I'll give you the next question because it's quite similar as well. Who were the three scrum halves taken? <laughs> I just can't get my head there. Hey, summer of 2014, Big Vern's first squad. Actually, when I was researching this, looking back, there's some really like big names in the Scotland squad now who got blooded on that tour. And final one, which flanker who went on to gain 17 caps for Scotland got his first cap on that tour? So, which flanker? Got his first cap on that tour. Okay. Feeling good about that? Still in the Scotland squad. Can't say that. Can't 
He's still playing rugby. <laughs> All right, how do you feel? Okay, so who were the four teams that Scotland played on that summer tour? Do you guys want to go turn about? Alan, start us off. USA. Correct. Uh, I put Canada. Also correct. All right. Argentina. Correct. I've gone down the complete wrong route. South Africa. South Africa is also correct. <laughs> but wait, so what four did you actually have them at? I got Canada, Italy, Canada, Italy, Samoa, and South Africa. Okay, so you got two out of four. <laughs> it was Argentina, Canada, South Africa, and USA. They played Argentina, Canada, and the US in the US, and then they went and played South Africa in. Uh... Was it just South Africa? Yeah, they just went, they went over and played South Africa. That was because that summer tour was 2014, and then the Quad Series uh, was the year before. before. I remember really randomly that Scotland played Canada and the Daily Record live streamed it and I watched it. <laughs> was, was that the game where we were going to lose and then Jeb Sinclair, the former Stu Mel player, elbowed Rue Jackson in the face and got red carded and we won as complete get out of jail card? Yeah, so that was, those, are the, those are the four games. Who did you get for your three hookers who were named as part of that squad and who were your three? Right. First one, Ross Ford. Incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Lawson. Correct. And Pat MacArthur. Correct. So you've got two from three. Matt, who did you get? I've also got MacArthur and Lawson. And I think it was Fraser Brown that got called up. It wasn't Fraser Brown. It it was Kevin Bryce. (laughs) Now, Ross Ford did subsequently get called up for the South Africa leg of the tour. But for that initial squad announcement, it was Kevin Bryce, Scott Lawson, and Pat MacArthur. That is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so, okay, so then who were the three scrum halves who were taken? Matt? Uh, <laughs> Laidlaw. Correct. Cusseter. Correct. And I put Mike Blair, but it's definitely not right. That's definitely not right. <laughs> what did you have on? <laughs> I don't think it is Henry Pergos. Um, I was trying to think of like rogue players that were playing nine back in the day, but Lawson. No. So who did you get? Who who's the three you've put down? So I I put Custer, Laidlaw, and Pergos. It wasn't Henry Pergos. It was Grayson Hart. he first signed for Edinburgh then yeah it must have been yeah, been, yeah. so he was uh, straight into the, straight into the squad so Custer Custer Hart and Laidlaw and then okay so the final um, I haven't been keeping track of scores here particularly well you're one ahead so Alan's you're one ahead Alan's two ahead so Matt you can't really win this but which flanker went on to get 17 caps got his first cap on this tour I think it's Blair Cowan Alan also says Blair Cowan it was Blair Cowan so there you go that was pretty. That was pretty decent. I mean, who's who knew that Kevin Bryce was getting the call in 2014 for the uh, the Scotland squad? <laughs> Quite amazing. But uh, a win for Alan. Feeling good about that? I'm really happy about that. Yeah, it's a great. It is a great result. Always good to get one over Matt. And um, right, so we finish up by looking back a week at the 1872 Cup. So, if you guys come here for um, good analysis and predictions, you would have been sorely disappointed with all three of us predicting a thumping Glasgow victory. It was a uh, great performance by Edinburgh in the end. 
Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't the best of matches, um, but I think Edinburgh did a very good job of being stuffy. If there's one thing they can do, it's sort of bring another team down to their level. Um, and to be fair, they defended really well. You know, for a Glasgow team that's supposed to have a, a strong attack, they didn't really give them an inch until towards the end of the game. Um, it was a game that sort of dominated by the weather, actually, because it was a very strong wind. Um, and Duncan Weir, to be fair to him, kicked all of his goals and was kicking into really difficult wind at times. Um, so, yeah, fair play to Edinburgh. It's, it's a bit of a funny one, whether for the good of Scottish rugby, overall good of Scottish rugby, and Edinburgh wins actually that good a thing. You know, Glasgow can still won the 1872 Cup, but... Um, for their season as a whole, um, it might look looked a bit better if they won. Um, I'm not sure how much Edinburgh have to to build on from that it's end of the season game. Nothing really at stake, but fair play to them. I thought Hoyland was very good. Real good finish from Hoyland. International quality finish from <laughs> Hoyland. If I do say so myself, I kind of just felt like Edinburgh wanted it a bit more. Um, I think maybe we sort of chatted about it a little bit, and obviously I know. Matt, you've spoken to a few people in the Edinburgh change room. I think kind of came across that they they really wanted to lay down the mark. Obviously, they've had like a sh- uh, a pretty shocking season, and it just felt that for like every sort of at ruck time and a loose ball, they just wanted it more in Glasgow. And kind of knowing that they've not got anything to play for, obviously, it was a bit of like a send off for Gregor Townsend and Lamont. But in the grand scheme of things, they didn't really have anything to play for, and. Um, I think they were just sort of almost a little bit walking through the motions, um, which is is slightly annoying. Again, it's a it's a sort of slightly fabricated rivalry, but you'd like to think that the sort of Edinburgh Glasgow game, even if it even if the game doesn't mean anything, there's something there that they kind of like really want to sort of put it all on the line. Yeah, I agree. It seemed that Glasgow pretty much had you know they were had one eye on their on their holidays. I think the the, the guys who are in that Glasgow squad are pretty much stalwarts of that Scotland squad. They probably weren't playing for those sort of marginal places in the um, in the summer tour squad, like maybe like maybe like Hoyland was. Um, so I just, it felt that they were kind of just done. And it, it's just I was reading uh, something written by the Pan in the um, in the Scrum magazine this week. I think he captured it. It's just like it kind of it was just like the season just sort of fizzling out for both teams, really, particularly Glasgow. I mean, Glasgow. At one time, you're thinking, right, they're definitely going to get sort of top four, send off uh, at least a playoffs place for Gregor Townsend. And then maybe this is the year they maybe get a semi. Um, and men, I mean, there was the halcyon days of thinking we might get into the final at um, Murrayfield of the, um, of the Champions Cup. And it just felt that the second half of the season really frittered out. And I think, you know, there is nothing to sort of typify that than a sort of lukewarm performance in the 1872 Cup. Um, but I say I say fair play to Edinburgh. They wanted it. They put in a good shift. Probably a few lads playing for their jobs next year. They want a, a Cockerell will be keeping an eye on that big uh, performance from the pack, which he'll be interested in. So, hey, fair play to them. Let's uh, let's let hope Edinburgh can p- get um, get going a bit next year. Yeah. So just um, that's obviously all the games played now in the Pro Twelve. I'm just looking at the table. Um, Glasgow finished sixth. But they were still ten points behind fifth place Ulster and way off the off the pack in in terms of the sort of that top three, top four. Um, Edinburgh ninth, but once again, um, thirteen points away from from eighth, um, which was Connacht. So yeah, overall, pretty disappointing. Um, I think next year Glasgow should be aiming for that top four and Edinburgh. I don't know Champions Cup rugby. 
it's probably like the best they can hope for or something it's something good to aim for so we'll see yeah i think if you if you're sitting in the in the planning the planning at the SRU and the Glasgow and Edinburgh changing rooms i think if you're an Edinburgh player you're thinking we want to be a top 6 club I think Glasgow have got to be saying we want to win the Pro 12 again. I don't think there's anything to say that yeah. Glasgow should not be putting a victory in the Pro 12 um, at the top of their to-do list for next year. Um, are we done? Alan's nodding furiously. We, uh, we're done, done for the week, lads. Um, thanks again for joining us. Keep up with us. Please get on um, iTunes, leave us a review. Five stars, obviously. Um, let us know what you think. Get in touch on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod and if you want to come and see us live if you think we're that good come down to London Scottish um, on the 27th of May we're going to be doing a Q&A with Andy Irvin get onto the Stephen Sims Cavaliers website for tickets for that it's going to be a hell of a good day um, for another week that is the Thistle goodbye goodbye cheers guys see ya planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.